Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK, Chamatka Sandu from Toronto in Canada. And uh, it feels like we can breathe this week a little bit, Sandu. It's it's still a busy week. We've got events coming up this week, but it just feels like everything's dialed back just a little bit. And I, I, I don't mind it, if I'm honest with you. It's been mad the last few weeks. It's great we've got all these shows, but it just feels like we've got a little bit of room to just take half a pace back and have a bit of a breather. Yeah, we're kind of getting into that tail end of the year now where there's just a few handful of fight nights for the UFC pay-per-view. Obviously, we, you know, we'll get into this in a bit, but lots of uh, things going on there in terms of fights falling out, last-minute call-ups, replacements, postponements, and all the rest of it. But this is the tail end stretch, and it's been a hell of a year. We've talked about it at nauseam, but with COVID-19 you know, affecting not just the UFC, MMA, but all sports, it's been incredible that the UFC has been able to put on the number of shows they've had. It means that we've had a lot of talk about, we've been busy, so with no complaints here. No, definitely. It's been it's been good, very good. And uh, UFC just keeps on rolling. They're churning out these fight night shows just to keep everything moving along uh, between pay-per-views. Um, it's pretty much UFC every week up until just before Christmas, I think. So uh, keep those Saturday nights free. And uh, this past Saturday night, Sandu... Big fight in the UFC's light heavyweight division. I hold my hands up. Got this one wrong. Shocker. If you see my picks on MMA Junkie, this will come as no surprise. I'm having a stinker of a year. But Glover Teixeira is not. He absolutely superb on fight night. Uh, tough matchup against Thiago Santos. Uh, a man who is the only man, I think, in, in UFC history to have officially taken a round off John Jones. Um, that's how good he is. Uh, he was coming off a long layoff. Glover Teixeira's had a tough year. Lots of fights. But he looked good. Got the win. Rear naked choke, third round. And uh, he's now the number one contender, Sandu, at £205. First off, what did you make of the performance? And then after that, we've got to talk about what on earth is going to happen with him next because things are not straightforward at the top of that division right now. They certainly aren't. But wow, what an incredible fight. It takes two to tango. An incredible fight. But what an amazing performance by 41-year-old Glover Teixeira. I hold my hands up, Simon. I was not picking him heading in. I thought Thiago Santos was going to be too big, too powerful, too strong. And he did clip him. And he did knock him down. And every time Glover Teixeira was able to kind of weather the storm, take Santos down. Santos did a good job in those first two rounds, riding it out, getting to the end of the round, getting to that bell. And at the end of the first and at the end of the second, I thought, right, okay, Santos has done enough to weather the storm. They're going to go back to the corner and the fight's going to restart with both men back on their feet. And that's where I thought Santos was going to have the edge over, over Teixeira. But credit to Glover. He just was able to every single time get in, take him down, swarm him, get on top, get into mount, hit him with a barrage of strikes. And then, of course, he eventually gets the rear naked choke. It was just everything you want in a main event. It, it, it kind of definitely, I, th I think for me personally, I think it definitely exceeded my expectations. I genuinely, again, I hold my hands up. I genuinely thought this was going to be a fairly rudimentary, one-sided performance from Santos. He'll, he'll be too powerful. He'll clip him, knock him out, and that'll be it. He'll get a knockout or a TKO. But I've got to start to, I guess, give Glover Teixeira a bit more respect because even at the age of 41... He's proving he's still a very much legitimate contender and a threat 
at, at 205 pounds. And maybe that's just his evolution sign, man. You know, when he, when he was first coming onto the scene of the UFC, everyone thought he was going to be a knockout artist. He kind of modeled his career over Mike Tyson. But everyone seems to forget what a great grappler and submission artist he is. And I think even he has kind of reverted back to those areas of his skill set to try and get wins. And he has put himself in an incredible position. He's now riding a five-fight win streak, the best run of his career uh, since he was able to secure a fight against John Jones many, many years ago. Carl Robertson, Ian Kutalaba, Nikita Krylov, and then this is where it gets interesting. Former title challenger, Anthony Smith. Former title challenger, Thiago Santos. So, Glover Teixeira at 41. Yeah, and, and you know what, Simon? We spoke about this last week. He did the one thing I was hoping and I wished Robert Whittaker did when he won in his co-main event uh, situation um, just a couple of weeks ago. Glover Teixeira gets in the mic and he just lays it out. He says, hey, Dana White. I know you're trying to give Adesanya the shot, but have a look at me. I'm not getting any younger. I just beat five guys in a row, all young guys. I should be getting the shot against Jan Blachowicz next. And he didn't do any kind of out of this world, you know, entertainment, pro wrestling, WWE style promo. He 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 said what was on his mind, and he and he said it from a place that was genuine, and that's all Robert Whittaker had to do to give him a better chance of securing a title shot against Israel Adesanya. So I for for me, Glover Teixeira did everything you could ask for. He won in emphatic fashion. He proved a point. He's got a win streak, and I tell you what, Simon, a lot of fans online, and I conducted a poll, they are much more in favour of him getting a title shot next against Jan Blahovic than Israel Adesanya. But again, and I guess this is where we can get into the conversation about what the UFC should do next with the situation at light heavyweight. Yeah. I mean, first off, five in a row in the UFC 205-pound division is no mean feat. These are big boys, right? If they were boxers, they'd be heavyweights. You know, this, this, is, this is what we're talking about. These are big, big guys, powerful, powerful athletes. And uh, that five-fight win streak, Sandu, four of them are finishes. Four of them are finishes. Um, and as you mentioned there, you reeled off the list. He's not fighting cans either. He's fighting top drawer opposition, particularly those last two fights. Um, both grueling fights, um, but he's, he's come out on top of both of them. And it's been those grappling chops of his that have really, really done the job for him. Um, I know he beat Anthony Smith technically by TKO, but it was his control. It was his, it was his grappling, his ability to take the fight where he wanted it and to dominate from top position on the mat that really gave him that win. But yeah, great performance from him. And just to just to build on what you said about getting on the mic and saying, speaking your mind, speaking from the heart, you don't have to be something you're not. You don't have to be Nate Diaz staring down the barrel of the camera, having a beef with somebody, feeling wronged. Just go out there and say your piece, you know, be yourself. Just turn the volume up a little bit to make sure people can hear you. That's basically it, isn't it? And that's what Glover Teixeira did. He laid it out. He didn't have to invent anything. He didn't have to exaggerate anything. He told it as it was. And when people hear the truth and they hear facts like that, especially after a good performance like that, it's hard not to not to side with the guy and think, yeah, he is the guy who deserves the shot. And I guess that's borne out in your poll. The other thing with that is, of course, not everybody is a great fan of Israel Adesanya. He's a very polarizing 
uh, guy. Um, I think there are an awful lot of fans out there who really love what he's doing and appreciate what he's doing. But I think he's got his fair share of haters as well. Um, so that might be a reason why that poll is as, is, as, is as close as it is. But yeah, I think I think it's a it's a really interesting spot because the UFC middleweight division and the UFC light heavyweight division are both in a position now where if the UFC wanted to, that it could build them separately and really build some momentum heading into 2021. Or it could give Israel Adesanya the opportunity to go for a second world title and give Jan Blachowicz probably the biggest payday he'll ever have in the UFC. So from the point of view of the two athletes um, in that fight, of course they're both going to want that fight. I think if you're Jan Blachowicz, you'd rather take the Adesanya fight against a smaller guy and a bigger payday than the Glover Teixeira fight, which is a very dangerous fight for him. Um, it's a really tricky one. My opinion, I I don't do that fight. I do Robert Whittaker versus Israel Adesanya, the rematch. I do Glover Teixeira versus Jan Blachowicz. They're the fights that I think make the most sense for the UFC moving forward. Yeah, you don't get that one big payday yet. But in terms of in terms of for, for Jan Blavich, Adesanya can fight anyone. Adesanya, arguably, here's a question. Is Adesanya going to do bigger business at the box office against Jan Blavich than he would against Robert Whittaker? I don't think the difference is going to be that huge. I really don't. Um, I think the upside is on, on Jan's side. He's the guy who's going to stand to benefit the most from this. Um, other than, obviously, Izzy can win a second belt. But if you're the UFC... I think you're better off building those two divisions separately. Get the light heavyweight division some momentum. Things are going really well at 205. Get the middleweight division some momentum. If Adesanya beats Whitaker again, the John Jones fight might be there after that. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think you need a belt on that fight. The counter argument, if he beats Jan Blahovic and he's got the belt, that really sets up the John Jones fight. But I don't want these two weight divisions getting all mixed up and held up because that's what will happen. And the thing I hate the most at the moment is when weight divisions get held up for no reason. This isn't a fight that we need. So I would keep them separate. But the box office may say otherwise, Sandy. What do you reckon? Listen, at the end of the day, it's all about the rating. It's all about being a draw. It's all about the box office. It's all about the money. We can especially in the hardcore MMA community, we can talk about meritocracy and win streaks and who deserves this and who deserves that all day long. But at the end of the day, I think we're all self-aware enough to know what the fight game is all about and it's to make the biggest fights possible. Sometimes it requires belts and titles and championships and that, I guess, little carrot to be dangled. But it's it's really just the icing on the cake you could make israel adesanya versus john jones right now no belt needed and it's still going to be as big as if it had a belt on the line right i think you've got to look at it from so many different angles and you mentioned quite a few of them already jan blahovic the biggest you know he finally at the end in his career finally gets that ufc championship belt now is his time to finally make a few big paychecks or maybe just the one we saw what michael bisping did when he had the belt he got that dan henderson fight in the uk done Straight to GSP, super fight, biggest fa- you know, uh, payday of his career. Jan Blahovic right now, if you asked him, what's the fight that makes you the most money? 
it's, it's Israel Adesanya because Israel Adesanya is just a, a much, much bigger draw and a, and a more compelling story heading into a fight than the number one contender Glover Teixeira. That being said, Jan Blachowicz did tweet out, hey, so listen, you know, he's right now taking some time out. He's, his, his missus is about to give birth and he's dabbing a kid. So he's not ready to go until March. Israel Adesanya is itching to fight as soon as possible. So Jan Blachowicz basically said, hey, listen, if, if Izzy can't wait until March, Glover Teixeira, let's do it in March. Right? So that's interesting from Jan, just knowing that the big payday is with Izzy to say, hey, actually, you know what? I'll take Glover. So that tells you how confident he must be in his ability to say, you know what? I could get a cheeky title defense here against Glover, which I'm, you know, pretty confident of winning. That's one payday. And then after that, Israel come upstairs to 205 and we can handle business and we'll see how it plays out and I'll cash in on all my chips there. So Jan, he's in a good situation right now. He's in a really good situation because a lot of people are talking about this division. You've got the middleweight champion talking about moving up. You've got Glover Teixeira, who's like a legitimate number one contender. For Glover, you have to feel you have to feel for him. You have to feel for him real bad because if you're the UFC, Simon, and if we're the matchmakers in the UFC, it's not just about trying to make the, the Izzy versus Jan fight. It's where it potentially leads to if Izzy wins right and it just builds momentum it's all about the builds and it's all about the you know getting this storyline heading into 2021 continuing to build israel Adesanya, who's a big star but every time big star comes out to fight it's like right okay what's the next compelling thing you're gonna you're gonna offer us oh he's moving up Ooh, he's about to perhaps be a two-weight champion which that list of two-weight UFC champions is very, very short and distinguished. And I'm sure Israel wants an opportunity to kind of check that off his UFC career as well, right? For me, I think Robert Whittaker screwed himself. Uh, so I've got little to no sympathy there for him. I, I really don't because, he, you know, this is the business we're in. It's entertainment, right? And... He didn't do enough on the mic. I feel way more sorry right now for Glover Teixeira, right? Because he did everything and anything I could have asked for as someone trying to secure a title shot. But for me, I still personally, both as a fan, if I was a UFC matchmaker, if I was a UFC brass, I am still making Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blachowicz. And the one sole reason for that is where it could potentially lead to. Israel Adesanya versus John Jones is arguably one of the biggest fights they can make especially over the next 12 months given how they've gone back and forth on social media they've got serious beef there and john jones is the greatest light heavyweight of all time he's arguably the greatest of all time israel adesanya is currently undefeated i'd favor him heavily over jan blahovic and it just ends up you know if he wins setting up a legitimate super fight if John Jones was interested in coming down. Or who knows, maybe that's when Israel Adesanya, like he said in interviews, that's when he's like, right, I've got two belts. Now I'm going to go for a third. Now I'm going to go to heavyweight. And I'm going to chase John Jones if he doesn't want to come down to light heavyweight anymore. So look, I've made no secret about this. I love it when we can get fights based on meritocracy, right? But that for me will always be secondary, Simon, to the biggest fights possible and that's what i want first and foremost the biggest fights possible the ones that really move the needle um and basically get eyeballs on this sport that aren't there on a week-to-week basis on these fight night cards yeah it's kind of funny because uh we're kind of uh two sides of the same coin aren't we like i, I 
give me the meritocracy as much as you possibly can. But yes, this is the fight. It's not the fight game, is it? It's the fight business, isn't it? And that's that's really what we're talking about here. And that is why it is most likely that the Jan Blachowicz-Israel Adesanya fight will, will happen next. But um, it reminds me a little bit of what happened with Khabib Magomedov when he was working his way up the UFC lightweight division. He he went on a, he obviously arrived in the UFC, went on a tear. Uh, his whole career has been a tear. No, you know, that's hardly breaking news. But yeah, he joined the UFC, winning run in the UFC. Really deserved a shot at the belt. But then Conor McGregor won the featherweight title and said, I'm going for the lightweight. I'm going for the lightweight belt and instantly got his shot. Um, and we were both there in New York at UFC 205. Khabib was not a happy camper because quite quite possibly he could have been the one challenging for the for for the lightweight title at that point. He'd he'd beaten uh, the the previous champion Rafael dos Anjos, um, and Eddie Alvarez obviously went and beat uh, dos Anjos for the belt because dos Anjos weirdly went on and won the belt before Khabib got his hands on it. Um, but Khabib has done all the hard work. He'd done all the legwork. And then he saw a champion from another division come swanning in, use his star power, and got the shot. And he wasn't happy about that. Glover Teixeira is in a similar position. I don't think Glover is peed off uh, in quite the same way that, 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 that Khabib was. But it is a similar situation where you've got someone who is in the division, has knocked off the contenders he's needed to knock off, and he's got a solid resume, a strong run of form, and is legitimately the top contender in a division, but he's not going to. He's probably not going to get the next shot of the belt. That always doesn't. Well, I, that never sits well with me. It never sits well with me. I understand why, um, and it's even more in sharp focus because, as you mentioned, right at the beginning of this little section, Glover Teixeira is forty-one years of age. Um, you know, he's not. He's not someone who Dana considered and go. Don't worry, Glover. You'll have your time. You know, you've got plenty of time in front of you. He hasn't. Like he could, he could retire after his next fight. You just don't know. Um, you know, he's been through some. He's been through some wars in the cage, so he deserves his shot. But yeah, it is tough. I think it all boils down to the end game, which is Israel versus Johnny Bones, isn't it? That's that's the fight. All roads are leading towards that. And for the UFC, it's what's the the best way of getting to that fight. Um, the only thing that maybe slows that down a little bit is the fact that we're in a pandemic. And when that fight happens, they want that fight to be in front of a massive crowd. Yeah. You don't want that fight in the apex. So that's the only thing that might throw throw things a little bit off. But I do think the, the Jan Blachowicz-Israel Adesanya fight is the fight we're going to get. I would be happier as a sports journalist to see the two divisions built up let Israel get another title defence in, let the light heavyweight title uh, carry on, on on its merry way at 205. And then when we start emerging from the pandemic, then you build towards Johnny Bones versus Israel Adesanya. Um, unless they don't care and they just want to put it on in the apex and it doesn't matter. Um, but I don't know if there's a wrong answer to this. I just think there's different ways of doing it. But um, it's it. someone's going to miss out. And uh, uh, on paper, at least, it looks like it might be Glover to share, which is a shame for him. Uh, great performance on Saturday night. Let's talk about some of the other standout performance on uh, performers on this card, Sandu. It was um, 
wasn't the most star-studded fight card on Saturday night. It was really all about that main event. We had uh, the co-main was an interesting one. You had long-time UFC fighter, former heavyweight champion of the world, Andre Arlovsky, taking on Canada's Tanner Boza, the man with possibly the best mullet in MMA right now. Um, and he had all the he had all the momentum. Tanner Boza. He went in there and he, he stood and threw down with Arlovsky and lost. Uh, lost on the scorecards, competitive fight, but not competitive enough for 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 Tanner Boza, who ended up uh, losing that that nice little win streak he had going. Uh, and Arlovsky just keeps finding ways to pick up wins here and there. He, he struggles to build a real head of steam and pick up lots of wins in a row, but he does find a way to just get the odd win here and there and keep himself relevant in that heavyweight division, Sandu. He does. You know the last time Andre Olovsky won a fight via a finish? It was May of 2015. And since then, every single time he's won a fight, it's been on the judges' scorecards. It's been via decision. Which essentially tells me when he gets the right fight, when the matchmakers do him a solid in terms of making it a pretty, I guess, reasonable uh, matchup for his age, his skill set, and all the rest of it. I think he's just got that veteran savvy to see a 15-minute fight out. You know what I mean? Because when you look at his record and some of the decisions he's lost and some of the, even the, the, the Rosenstruck loss just about a year ago, almost to the day, via knockout, don't put him in there with a young and hungry elite-level striker because it doesn't look like it's going to go in his favor but you put him in there with someone that you know is a reasonably good heavyweight uh, then i think just the years of experience olovsky has is gonna is gonna be enough uh to get to get the decision or get, get the win wasn't the most entertaining fight of all time but that was the co-main event and listen you've got to give credit to it yet again another 41 year old man getting it done at this stage of his career in the ufc so all credit to the pitbull yeah, and it's remarkable. That was his 30th career win. And the next time he walks to the octagon, it will be for his 50th professional MMA fight. So, um, you know, and for a heavyweight to still to still be in there at, at the age that he's at, uh, with the record that he's managed to build, and with the ups and downs he's had over the course of his career, to still be going um, is, is, is remarkable. It really is remarkable. He's, you know, he's... He's still in fantastic shape. He puts in decent performances. Yeah, there are times where things have not gone well for him and he had a bit of a fight. I think he had a five-fight losing streak a few years back. Um, and at that point, I think everyone was beginning to think, okay, is his time up? But then he seemed to reinvent himself and come back. And uh, he's still he's still a real test for anybody working their way up that UFC heavyweight division. Just ask Tanner Boza. He will be able to tell you that himself now. Um, but good performance from the pitbull, Andre Arlovsky. Um just taking a look down the uh, down the rest of the card, um, Giga Chikadze, Uh I want to talk about him because he took on a debutant, Jamie Simmons, uh, and and got a, a really impressive win. Body kick to set it up, head kick uh, to drop his man and then finish him with uh, with ground strikes. But it was interesting what he said after the fight. Um, he was offered the chart. Well, he was offered the opportunity to fight Arnold Allen at this event. It was going to be Arnold Allen and Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens pulled out. Um, I think I think he tested positive for COVID, um, and um, they offered uh, Chikadze as a substitute uh, opponent for Arnold Allen. 
who, according to Chikadze, turned it down. So they took Alan off the card, kept Chikadze on the card, um, and uh, he had some words about Arnold Allen. But then he said, I want to fight Jeremy Stevens." Stevens immediately accepted the call out on social media. That'll be a great fight moving forward. And But I like the cut of his jib jig, Chikadze. He's, he's, he's a straight talker. Um, he's a fun fighter to watch. He's got really good striking. I mean, someone who used to be a professional kickboxer, their striking is going to be decent. But um, he looks like one to watch at 145 pounds. And he's one of those guys, when you see his name on the card, you think, must make sure I see that fight because he, he always brings something special on fight night. He does. And he's got a great record. He doesn't lose that often. I think he lost like once um, in MMA um, or twice. But so far in the UFC, it's perfect. You know, a lot of decisions. have to say that. A lot of decisions. So this was his first finish in the UFC. But yeah, just nailed it. He had a couple of names in mind. Jeremy Stevens, Johnny on the spot, comes out on Twitter, says, yep, I'll accept that fight. And then, that's what the UFC want. That's what the matchmakers want to see. Now it's like, right, yep, cool. Jeremy Stevens versus Gigi Chikadze. Let's, get, let's try to get that in before the end of the year. So, so he, the fight game is pretty easy if you just you know play your cards right, especially when you win, right? I know that these fighters have a lot on their plate: training, cutting weight, strategizing, making sure that they can actually perform on fight night. But you've got to be aware of how the game plays out and how, on the business side of things, and and what the UFC matchmakers are looking for, what the fans are looking for, what the commentators, the analysts, the the guys that actually talk about this sport and build momentum. Uh, in terms of you know who they're looking forward to seeing next time and all the, all the rest of it, so yeah, g- good on him. He, he, you know what, what more can you ask for? Again, got a finish on the main card, and he had a you know not just a just a, a name, but he actually laid out a little story. So you know you could get a Jeremy Stevens fight, and maybe you might even get an Arnold Allen fight. So good on him. Yeah, and I I do a feature on MMA Junkie every week called Call Out Collection, where I basically gather together all of the callouts and then assess how realistic they are. And I remember writing for this one, I'm like. They've done the matchmaker's job for them. You know, him and Jeremy Stevens have done the job for them. It's like, we've had a call out. We've had a response. It's a fight that makes sense. Preparation wise, they're both on the same timeline because Stevens was preparing to fight at this event. Chikadze did fight at that event. Um, It's a fight that makes sense. Chikadze wants to step up. Stevens needs to get himself a win to try and bounce his way back up. It's 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 a it's perfect. It ticks every box going, and uh, you know, on top of all that, stylistically, it'll be an absolute belter of a fight. You've got this slick, technical striker in Giga Chikadze versus uh, the featherweight division's equivalent of the Tasmanian Devil, Jeremy Stevens, who, when he gets, you know, when he gets uh, sort of the whiff of blood even in his in his nostrils, then uh, there there are a few more terrifying fighters at 145 pounds than than, than Little Heathen. So. That is a great fight. I hope they book it for uh, early next year. Um, Zhao Nanyan getting a good win over Claudia Gadella. She's a contender now. And you never know, Sandra, we might get an all-China uh, title fight at some point a little bit further down the line. Um, so that's that. That's a huge, a huge thing for the sport. She's moved to 13-1 and one now, uh, Zhao Nan. Trevin Giles coming back to the cage uh, after some, some, some tough... Tough stuff away from the case. 13-2 and two, gets the win over Bevan Lewis. But the guy I mentioned, I think, last week, someone to watch at heavyweight, Alexander Romanov, Sandu. He's a dangerous man. 13-0. and 0, Submits Marcos Ruggiero Lima. 
just by leaning his forearm on his throat until he taps. It's absolutely crazy. Just a forearm choke. Um, scary stuff. And uh, I don't. I, can't, I, doubt, I doubt there'll be too many uh, UFC heavyweights sort of putting their hand up to face this guy because he's a little bit crazy and uh, he can finish you any which way. I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes next. Yeah, not only is he great in the octagon, you know he's got a bit of a personality. You know, he has a lot of fun with his corner men. He suplexes them and throws them around as a part of his post-fight celebrations. And yeah, someone to look out for. And I think heavyweight needs new blood anyway. You know, we've got... Over the last couple of years, we haven't really seen the, the, the belt defended that much. We've got a couple of guys at the top who could slot in in, in a contender fight. Obviously, Francis Ngannou being the top guy. Let's see if Overeem can once again build a bit of a run and try and eke out one more you know, title shot before he calls it a career as well. But the division definitely needs an injection of, of new blood and Romanov so far is ticking all those boxes. He's great. I was impressed with him, Simon. I was um, impressed with Juju Chikadze, Zhao Nanan, who you already mentioned. The one thing about Zhao Nan that I would like to see is a finish. She's perfect in the UFC, right? All decisions, though. And I think we're trying to like put her in a title fight picture and we're trying to build a highlight reel for the for the promo. A finish would be nice. It would be nice. So I, I want to see if she's got that killer instinct where she can actually finish an opponent. But she's getting a, a tougher step up in competition at each and every time she's out. And Claudia Gadella was a great litmus test for her. She came through that with flying colors. Want to give a shout out, Simon, to the Barcelos versus Taha fight that ended up getting the fight of the night. And I actually think they were lucky to get that bonus because I genuinely felt like the Teixeira Santos fight was the fight of the night. And I would have given that one the nod. But credit to the bantamweights. I mean, when do bantamweights not deliver? I mean, every time there's a bantamweight fight on a card, I'm like, yep, that'll do me nicely. But I want to talk about quickly, Simon, Max Payne Griffin versus Ramirez Brahimaj. And wow, one of the most graphic brutal injuries we've seen in a minute we every once in a while there's something crazy that happened i think it was about a year ago when we got that overeem busted lip courtesy of, of rosenstruck and literally almost a, a year later we've got an exploded ear falling off shades of a mike tyson eating evander holyfield's ear it was it was pretty gruesome dana white you know posts a picture on his social media just showing how graphic it is but that was enough to get a, a TKO stoppage for, for, for Max Griffin. What were you thinking when you saw that unfold, Simon? Well, I was trying not to throw up. And then I immediately thought, well, he's, I, I hope he does. You know, he isn't going to be wearing any sunglasses for a while. That was the next thing I thought. And then uh, I just thought to myself, how, how are they going to stitch all that back on in such a way that it is going to in any way resemble what was there before? It, I've never, I don't, I've ever. You mentioned the Rosenstrike thing on um, on Overeem, and that was very graphic. But you can kind of understand how that happened, right? It was like an elbow. Was it was it was an elbow or a punch? Can't remember. But it was a punch. But the way it kind of hit across these, I mean, you're punching someone in the mouth, right? And you got you got you know you got the teeth right behind it. Things can get. It was weird. It was a weird thing to happen, and it was really graphic. This was a weird because it was like a little short elbow behind the ear, and it seemed to have a disproportionate effect on 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 Brian's ear. It was it was it was it was just 
horrific. <laughs> I mean, like you mentioned Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. That barely registers as an injury by comparison, you know? And he bit off and spat out an entire part of his ear. That looked like nothing compared to this. This looked like someone had literally taken taken a chainsaw to the guy's head. It was absolutely horrible. Um, and I, yeah, I just couldn't help myself just thinking, how are they going to stitch that back? How are they going to stitch that back? And how are they going to get it back in any kind of working order? It just looked horrible, absolutely horrible. Now, the good news, if there is good news from this, is that the what you know the way the way the ear is all constructed is an awful lot of of flappy skin and cartilage around yeah the actual working part of the ear is quite small and the <laughs> stitching that bit back on i don't know how that's going to work because if you feel around the back of your ear it's 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 kind of solid and that's the bit that got that's the bit that got torn so if they can if they can fix that then it should fix everything. So it's, it's it's one bit that needs sort of stitching back, but it also looks like the hardest part of the of of, of that bit of the body to actually do because it's all cartilage and stuff. So I mean, like the plastic surgeon is going to be uh, doing some overtime getting that done. I just hope I hope a that he gets it all back uh, in full working order. B, I hope it doesn't have any adverse effect on his career. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take for him to get cleared to fight again uh, with something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't performing all that badly in the fight. I didn't think, um, he was clearly losing to Max Griffin, who is on an, on a nice uptick. Actually, he seems to have found a new gear in his career, but Brian, I was, was doing all right. He wasn't winning, but he was doing all right. And he was solid. That completely, completely ruined his day. You know, it took out any opportunity for him to go to distance or for him to sort of claim a late finish, but yeah, tough one to watch. It's not going to make my end of year highlight reel, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other one that I want to quickly just mention is Darren Elkins, man. This guy just refuses to go away quietly in the night, Simon. The damage got it done. He snapped his own four-fight losing streak. He needed a win so badly. And he got it. He, he got it. And he'd done it via rear naked choke in the third round against Luis Eduardo Garagori. And I think he's just about sustained his UFC career for the, for the for the foreseeable future. But overall, Simon, just given the fact that it was an 11 fight card or a 10 fight card in, in total, given there was a, a few you know pullouts and changes and, and all the rest of it, not bad. Not bad for a fight night card. And I felt like it kind of built up as things were kind of heading up to the top of the card and it built momentum. And like I said at the start of the show, the, the main event, it certainly delivered. And it's given us plenty to talk about as we kind of reel off the, uh, the the reaction to what is once again just another showcase for the UFC. You know, this COVID-19 situation has, you know, really kind of challenged them to make sure they can pull out all the stops. And uh, the fighters are proving to be, um, you know, UFC worthy and also worthy of our attention each and every Saturday night. Yeah, it's great. And I just need to fact check myself. Um, I said I thought that Jeremy Stevens might have been out with uh, COVID. He is. He wasn't out for COVID. He was out because of an injury. So I just want to just uh, 
in this in this age of fact checking, especially over the last couple of weeks, um, <laughs> elsewhere in the world. But yeah, Jeremy Stevens didn't test positive; he was ruled out through injury. We were deprived the opportunity to see a couple of Brits on Saturday night, which was a bit of a shame. Arnold Allen and Jack Shaw both due to be in action Saturday night. Hopefully, we will see them get themselves rebooked ASAP and we see them back in there soon. But yeah, solid fight night again and we will have another one this coming weekend which we'll talk about in a minute. But before we get to fight night on Saturday, this uh, Bellator have made Thursday night's fight night for them and uh, they're now now beginning to roll out the big guns. Um, And this week, it's probably the biggest one they've done since since covid um the bellator uh, featherweight grand prix is back up and running the main event of bellator 252 on thursday night which will go down live on sky sports here in the uk patricio pitbull featherweight champion in the quarterfinals of the grand prix taking on pedro carvalho who is from portugal but trains out of sbg in dublin um they were due to fight they were the last bellator uh, event before everything shut down they'd already made weight sandu they'd made they'd made weight they got to fight day and it got pulled on fight day that's how close they were to fighting obviously it got kiboshed at the 11th hour now it's finally happening uh carveo has been uh, doing quite a good job of uh trying to wind up patricio pitbull we've got that SBG versus Pitbull Brothers rivalry that's been bubbling under for months now. We're going to see the fight in the main event on Saturday, on uh, Thursday night. That'll be one well worth staying up for. Co-main event um, is a man with probably the longest active unbeaten run in MMA right now. If we, if we assume Khabib is retired, Yaroslav Amasov, welterweight contender from Ukraine, 24-0, taking on Logan Storley, also undefeated, 11-0. and 0. That's the co-main event at 170. Whoever wins that may well get a title shot um, at 170 or potentially a fight against someone like MVP next. And uh, there's another tournament fight at £145 as well. Daniel Weichel from Germany is taking on Emmanuel Sanchez in uh, a rematch. Weichel won the first fight via split decision. That'll be a really, really good fight in the quarterfinals. And whoever wins that fight will then go on and meet the winner of the main event, Pitbull versus Carvalho, for the belt in the semifinals. And the winner of that will face the winner between Darian Caldwell, the former bantamweight champion, and the undefeated AJ McKee, because they're already at the semifinal stage on the other side of the draw. That fight goes down in a couple of weeks' time. So it's good to get that tournament back up and running. Aaron Pico is also back in action on that card as well. So, decent card on Thursday night. That'll be on CBS Sports stateside, Sky Sports here in the UK. That's Thursday night. And very quickly, Sandu, Friday during the day, sort of lunchtime-ish, one championship are back up and running. They're rolling out their big guns as well. Much smaller fight cards than they usually do. They used to do like between 10 and 13 fights. Uh, Now they're doing much smaller fight cards uh, but the main event of this one is one definitely worth watching. Kevin Bellingon, the former uh, bantamweight champion, uh, is taking on Mr. Hands of Stone, John Lineker, in the main event. Um, it's a bantamweight fight in one championship. Technically, for everybody else in the world, it's a featherweight fight because of the way the uh, the way the weight classes work over there. 
but that'll be an absolute banger. Anybody out there who has seen John Lineker but hasn't seen Kevin Bellingham, trust me, that is going to be fireworks. Um, and uh, that should be an absolute belter. Former flyweight champion Jay Hayu Stacquio is also in the co-main event of that uh, particular show as well. So that's one championship on Friday night. We've got Bellator on Thursday night. And then it all leads us on to the UFC back at the Apex on Saturday night. I'm looking at the bout order, Sandu, and we have a fight poster with a man who isn't going to be competing on Saturday night. Islam Makachev uh, got a staph infection uh, during the week and uh, has been ruled out of his main event against Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, the fight card here is not updated with a new main event, but you've got some news for us. We have some breaking news. And just to peel back the curtain a little bit, I think for people that listen to the show each and every week, kind of get the structure, right? We we typically start the show with a review of the past weekend's action. There's usually a few topics for us to discuss in the middle. And then we end the show with a preview of the, the upcoming week and weekends fights and, and events and when we were firing up the mics simon this is the part of the show which had a bit of a question mark on it because as you said Islam makashev who is someone we've both been really excited to see compete especially this year He's, he hasn't fought in a while and according to khabib is going to be the guy to lead the lightweight division forward and you know, take over that mantle as the best lightweight in the UFC. As you mentioned, staff infection has ruled him out. And over the last couple of days, the UFC have been trying to figure out an opponent for, for Rafael Dos Anjos. And literally, as we've been recording, Simon, we have some news to discuss. Paul Felder, according to ESPN's Brett Okamoto is stepping up on five days notice. He'll be taking on Rafael Dos Anjos. It's still going to be a five round fight. It's going to be at lightweight, which is interesting. And then in addition to that, some reporting from MMA junkies Mike Bond informs us that Paul Felder was actually going to be on commentary duty. So he's likely already been COVID tested, he's in Vegas, he's got access to the Performance Institute and all the rest of it. So I guess it's a case of him cutting out the water weight. But here's a man, Simon, who has not competed at lightweight for a couple of years. The last time he was uh, in a lightweight fight was against Charles Oliveira, a fight he won back in December of 2017. He then moved up to welterweight. And since moving up to 170 pounds, he's been 2-2. Two and two. He lost against Dan Hooker most recently, earlier this year. He got some wins over Edson Barboza and James Vick prior to that. But man, this is incredible. The Irish Dragon, Simon, saving the card, saving the day for the UFC, which makes it a compelling fight and hopefully going to be a competitive fight. But God knows what kind of shape he's in. Don't know if he's been able to get training in. Um... I mean, Paul Felder to the rescue, Simon. What a, what a legend. What a guy. What, what a guy. I mean, Felder Felder is, is one of those fighters who, I think if you polled most hardcore MMA fans and said, give me a list of your top 20 favorite fighters to watch, Felder is on that list without without doubt. He, he always brings it. His fights are always exciting to watch. I mean, you mentioned he's gone two and two in his last four fights as a welterweight. Um, 
Lost to Mike Perry. That was a split decision and an absolute barn burner. He beat James Vick on the cards. He beat Edson Barboza, stepped in into the into the fire with Edson Barboza and traded kick for kick, punch for punch, with one of the most devastating Muay Thai strikers in MMA. Beat him by split. And then Dan Hooker, who many people think is probably only one or two wins away from a title shot himself, just got edged out by split decision again. Paul Felder is two big wins away from being right there in the UFC lightweight division, even though he's not he's not fought at lightweight for a while. Um, he's beaten Dan Hooker. Oh, sorry, he's been in there with Dan Hooker. He's beaten Edson Barboza. Um, you know, these are all these are all these are all fights. Sorry, the Vic Barboza and Hooker fights were were all lightweight fights. They were all lightweight fights. The Perry fight was a welterweight fight. Um, but Vic Barboza and Hooker, they were all 155 pound fights. Just double checking this here. Were they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he fought I've completely Perry. Completely misread that then. Because <laughs> he stepped in. He stepped in short notice to face Perry. That's right. He stepped in because I was at that event. I was at that event. That was International Fight Week 2018. And See, he stepped in Simon, short notice. I'm Mr. Fact Check today. I fact checked myself earlier, so it's all fine. But I mean, but yeah, so he's 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 doing the business at 55. He's happy to step in at short notice, even if it's a weight class above. But Vic was considered a fringe, a fringe contender not all that long ago. He's got a he's got a stoppage win over Charles Oliveira. He's got a win over Edson Barboza, and he went the distance and split decision defeat to Dan Hooker. He's there or thereabouts. He goes in there and beats Dos Anjos. He he can get himself. Maybe he can fight Makachev next, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, he, he's he, he's a top man. He, the only disappointment is he's not on the call now because I love I love him on commentary. I think he's great. Um, and uh, you know, can you imagine the irony if he gets kicked in the nuts during this fight? Because there's nothing he loves more than keeping score when it comes to getting kicked in the nuts. You know, he's all the way through the card. He keeps his little score running as it goes through. It's become a bit of a running joke. So look out for that. It is almost a certainty that at some point he's going to get a low one and uh, the commentary team are going to have to do their best not to laugh about it because it'll be uh, it'll be kind of ironic at the time. But yeah, if Felder's in any kind of shape, and I'm sure he is, that is absolutely a fight that he can win. Um and I would be tempted to pick him, actually. I think now now I know he's fighting. Um, and it's Monday as we record this. Do you know what? Sod it. Yeah, I'm picking him. I'm picking him to win this fight. I think um I think as it stands right now, I think he has the bigger upside than 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 uh, Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos is good, he's been through a lot of wars, as 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 um Felder. But I just think that um I think that he might get it done. And step in and just have this incredible moment, and I think it'll be one of the one of the big stories of the week when we look back at the fight night in a week's time. So first of all, I can't believe I had the brain fart of brain farts, um, thinking that his last few fights have been at welterweight. That Mike Perry fight just completely threw me off. Of course, the Hooker, Barboza, and Vic fights were at lightweight. Of course, they were Simon. So shame on me for that. But when it comes to a pick. I'm definitely going to stick with uh, Rafael Dos Anjos here because 
From my point of view, RDA was preparing for Islam Makachev. So you know he was taking this fight mega seriously. He hasn't competed since January of this year. He's coming off of two losses. He knows that he really needs to put on a performance. It's a main event slot. And he's been in training camp for a five-round fight. So you're going to expect to see an in-shape, absolutely peaking at the right time RDA versus Paul Felder stepping on five days notice who was initially just going to be doing commentary if nothing else at least Paul Felder would have done his his research you know he probably has seen so much tape on RDA so at least he knows exactly what RDA is all about and you know how to strategize for the fight it's going to be interesting to see who ends up being in his corner though if they fly them in this week or if they have a if he has a makeshift corner that's going to be interesting to monitor but listen, it would be fantastic and an incredible story and nothing would give me more pleasure than if a week from now when we're recording next week's show where we are reflecting on a Paul Felder win on short notice. But I just, I'm just not convinced that it's going to be possible with a, an in-camp, fully trained, ready-to-go RDA with a lot to prove. Yeah, I, the thing about the weight class is is a big thing because... This is uh, RDA's first fight at 55 in quite a while. Um, I'm just scanning back through his record. I don't think he's fought at 55 since he got beat by Tony Ferguson back in November of 2016. He's now... So obviously he's been preparing for a five-round fight at 55. But he still has to make 55 or 56 um, because it's a non-title fight. But... I'm almost surprised that they haven't negotiated between the pair of them to do the fight at 70 just because it takes the pressure off RDA and it completely takes the pressure off um, Felder because obviously stepping in on short notice. But yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I quite often end up covering the weigh-ins for Junkie. Um, so that will be really interesting to watch uh, just to see how it all goes and you know, RDA looking to, looking to make... 156 pound on the scale for the first time in in four years um that will be very interesting to watch it'd be a good fight though i'm really looking forward to that fight and when you when you when you told me it was we've got a guy it's paul felder my eyes just lit up i'm like this is great this is really good i mean obviously we're disappointed that islam makachev isn't getting that fight because if ever a man needed to get some momentum back up and running it's him he's really struggled to get himself a fight of late he got himself a, a good fight, a main event. It would have been his first ever UFC main event. It all falls away from him uh, through unfortunate circumstances. So we just hope that he can get himself back to full health, back in camp, and uh, we'll see him again soon. But uh, Felder versus RDA is an absolute banger, and I can't wait. Um, someone else is making a return, Sandu. Julian Marquez. I uh, just want to talk about him very briefly. Uh, UFC middleweight. Knocked out Phil Hawes. Now, you know, we've seen Phil Hawes coming into the UFC looking like a million bucks. Julian Marquez knocked him out on the Contender Series uh, a couple of years ago. And that's why he's in the UFC and Hawes has literally only just made it in. Um, he's coming back for the first time after two years away. Uh, he's great fun to watch. He's got a great personality and he just loves to stand and bang. He's taking on Big Safarov. That could be a lot of fun. That fight, Safarov likes to stand and trade, so I think I think that could be that could be an interesting one to watch. And the and, and the co-main Abdul Razak Al Hassan versus Chaos Williams, um, 
both of them ridiculously powerful at 170 pounds that should be a good one as well yeah overall simon i think this card is a little bit light when it comes to star power but as we saw this past weekend you know these guys have got a lot to prove they're jumping in a lot of them on short notice they you know the ufc have got their hands tied with regards to who can fight where and who who they can bring in that's why they're going to fight island so much the one thing i wanted to quickly mention and i don't know if you feel the same way but i've been feeling this way pretty much since the start of the pandemic and it's kind of changed the way i view my excitement level for for many many cards as things currently stand, I don't tend to really absorb and allow myself to really get excited or hyped about a lot of these events until lunchtime on fight day. Because we've seen so many things happen, mostly due to COVID-19. There's been so many fights chopped and changed, last minute replacements. It's almost daily. And there's so many fights that are being put together within a week or two's notice that you just don't know what the overall fight card is going to look like sometimes until the weigh-in, sometimes until fight day. We saw another fight fall out this past weekend on Saturday. The only exception to this rule that I've allowed myself to actually give in to are title fights, right? For title fights, for the big pay-per-views, yes, I'm all in from the minute fights are announced and if the fight falls out for whatever reason that has a negative impact on me we just actually we haven't discussed this on, the, on today's show but another bit of major news coming out today uh, courtesy of uh, espn's brett okamoto is that the megan anderson amanda nunez fight which was going to be um one of the the title fights at the end of the year pay-per-view that is now oh, in a couple of weeks that is now not happening and so the ufc are going to rebook that for early 2021 amanda nunez has pulled out uh, for undisclosed reasons but again i wasn't really i mean there are title fights simon and then there's title fights that are just on a pay-per-view and this is one of those title fights it's on a pay-per-view there isn't a featherweight division i'm like all right cool i'll i'll get excited about amanda nuna versus megan anderson in a couple of weeks time you know maybe a few days out but as things currently say it's like all right another fight's fallen out they'll figure it out they're gonna have to go to the war room and they're gonna have to have matchmakers meeting and see who's available make some calls even this fight with RDA between Paul Felder, let's see what happens. You know, Paul Felder's going to make 155 pounds. Like you mentioned, RDA hasn't made 155 or 156 pounds in a minute. So let's see how this whole week plays out. But um, but yeah, that's how I'm kind of, I mean, again, I don't know if you feel the same way, Simon, but that's how I've um, changed this year. And that's how the, the, the fight game and the pandemic has changed my anticipation for fights. Yeah, someone once told me a pessimist is never disappointed. Um, <laughs> and you have to kind of we're in this we're in this strange world now where nothing is nothing is a given you know things can change at the drop of a hat especially in the fight game I will say this I mean you look at how imagine if this was the ultimate boxing championship right um, and they were putting out boxing cards we wouldn't be seeing these fights we wouldn't be seeing these fights just the dynamic of how this sport is run and how fighters are are managed and how the UFC runs its business for better or worse um, in terms of the athletes themselves. It, it's what it's a situation where this particular business model is very, very well equipped to deal with 
last minute changes. I've said this loads of times on this show and elsewhere. UFC is probably one of the most agile sporting organizations on the planet. You know, I remember being over in Vegas for UFC 200 when all hell broke loose, when John Jones fell off the card because of the drug test on like the Wednesday. Um, and they changed their main event twice in the space of three days and still put on a huge show um, for what at the time was going to be the biggest show in their history. Their, their, their ability to improvise, adapt and overcome is, is, is unlike anywhere else I've seen in sport. And they do it on a weekly basis now because of COVID, you know. They're, they're, they're so they're so well drilled with this uh, and as you say you almost don't want to let yourself get overly excited for things until you know that they're happening um, it's the old Khabib Tony Ferguson situation I think we've all we've all gotten excited for fights particularly that one um, only for it to to sort of fall through before fight night but uh, yeah I tend to agree with you I, I like I, I watch these things and I you know I, I obviously I, I work on the pre-fight coverage, you know, fight week coverage. So I'm I'm working on the stories of these fighters as as we build up to fight night. For them to then pull out due to illness or injury or whatever before fight night, it's such a disappointment. Um, but none more so than for the guys and girls themselves. So um, you know, it's 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 a shame when it does happen, but it's it's, it's a testament to the athletes that are prepared to step in. People like Paul Felder, who are who will step in. He was getting a payday on Saturday night, you know. He was getting a payday and he wasn't going to need to go to the hospital afterwards. He might have to now. Um, but he is a professional fighter. That's what he does. Travels with his gum shield, you know. And uh, he'll be he'll be good to go on Saturday night. So, um, yeah, it's I, th- I think the sport is fortunate that, that, that it, it's able to adapt like this. I think the fans are lucky that the sport's able to adapt like this. And, you know, everyone everyone gets an opportunity. So it's, it's great to see. And people getting an opportunity, Sandu, just to try, kind of transition away from that a little bit. Two British fighters getting an opportunity on the fight card this weekend. Corey McKenna is making a UFC debut this weekend against Kay Hansen at 150, uh, sorry, 115 pounds. That will be a really good fight. That'll be a really good fight at 115 pounds. And uh, Reese McKee, obviously he had a baptism of fire on his UFC debut against uh, Kamzat Chimaev, taking on Alex Morono. Um, that could be a really fun fight as well. That's at 170 pounds. Uh, that's currently listed as the fourth fourth fight from the beginning. Uh, so that'll be that'll be on the t- televised prelims on BT Sport. I would imagine possibly the first one. So um, yeah, we've got a couple of Brits on the card to look forward to as well. Yeah. And with that being said, the Britpack.substack.com, Simon. That is the place we want everyone to go to to subscribe. And join us at our headquarters. Outside of that, we're available on Spotify. We're available on Apple Podcasts. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love for you to give us a rate, give us a review. Really helps us on Apple. And then outside of that, it's Simon Head at well at Simon Head on Twitter and at Simon Head Sport on Instagram. And it's at Sandu MMA if you want to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simon, that's the show. That's the show, and uh, it's it's been another good one. It's been another good one. We've got a busy week of fights coming up, and we're building our way up now. We're coming into the sort of the. Someone once said we're rounding the turn. I can't remember who said that. We're rounding the turn when it comes to uh, MMA in 2020, uh, and uh, we're getting towards the end of the year now. We've got a few more big fights to uh, to round out the year, but some of these fight night cards, you get hidden gems 
So even when you're looking at the fight, the uh, the bout card, and you're looking down the list, and you think, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, should I watch this? Give it a go. You don't know whether to watch Bellator on Thursday night? Give it a go, if you can. Especially if you're working from home. No one knows if you're getting up two minutes before you're due to start work. It doesn't matter, does it? Give it a go. Get some fights in. Get some beers in. Watch the fights. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk through it all with you right here on The Brit Pack. Yeah.